Hey, podcast listeners, it's Pastor Freddie T. Thank you for listening today. It's such a joy to be back on the podcast. Really thankful for you listening. So whether you're a first-time listener or one of our longtime faithfuls, today's a good one. Hope you enjoy it. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at real life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. JV, what's up? We were just in here talking about Christmas when he comes in. Look well, at that. you've got some new <laughs> items in your office. Some accoutrements in the that, lounge here. Yeah. So you're what? what accoutrements. You little, what is that? I don't know. Things that are added on, maybe ancillary items. What what uh, what language is that? I have to look like, it up. See, it you can be on the spot. French. Accoutrements. It sounds uh, French. So we, uh, we have men's group in here on Friday mornings in community group. And we talked first week out of the box about a yoke. Yeah. A yoke, an oxen yoke. Yeah. And a lot of guys didn't know what a yoke was. That's right. And so I told Rachel's story, and I, I was joking with the guys. I said, we're going to get a yoke in here. And if you come in here now, as soon as you walk in, you see a real live Holyfield re- yoke. The reason we were talking about a yoke is because of Jesus' great invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So that was uh, kind of the culmination of the Shabbat teaching series was the yoke. Uh, and, and for new listeners, what is the Shabbat? Shabbat was a Sabbath teaching uh, series that I did last summer. Um, so it was kind of the culmination of it all, how we go from Genesis 1 to Shabbat to the yoke is pretty cool. But anyway, so Rachel... It's amazing. I told the guys I was going to get one, and Rachel got it for me for Christmas. And so Brandon Howe and Ashley Howe came in here uh, last week, week before, and hung that sucker up for me. And so we're excited. It looks really good, man. Yeah, It yeah, all yeah, looks yeah, good yeah. in here. Well, you, we were gone last week, uh, yeah. not doing podcasts. You were back with Cove, your, your favorite buddy. Recovering. I had COVID again. Pastor Timmy called it a cold. <laughs> Man, this fortunately this stuff didn't hit my lungs, but gosh, it just drags on. Yeah. Kim Pierce was shot me a text this morning and said, if you fast and go to the sauna, it'll get out of your system. Sweat like, that thing out. I just might try that. Ken, uh, thank you. I'll, I'll go to the sauna. I don't know if I'll fast yet. Yeah. Getting there, though, yeah, fasting. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Fred, we had a lot going on. Uh, Disciple Now weekend yes. was this last weekend. Uh, it was a community-wide event, but real life Sango had 90-plus participants. That means 6th through 12th graders, 90-plus yeah. from real life attended Disciple Now. So cool, man. I, I was really surprised because I started talking to some different adults this this a uh, couple weeks ago about Disciple Now, and they didn't know what Disciple Now was, and I just took it for granted because... I went to Disciple Now every year, sixth grade through my 12th grade year. What about you? So I told you, we've had this story before on the yes. podcast. Harvey Britton brought yes. that to First Baptist Clarksville. Yes. And I was a 10th grader the okay. first year they ever first offered year. it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, did you do it that year? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. I didn't do it after that, but yeah. I did. I don't think I did. Rachel asked you, but anyway, I interrupt your story. But yes, I well, went to Disciple Now is, it's, uh, you know, I, yeah, we have talked about this. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they shape it around worship services now more so than what they used uh, okay. to do. They used to do more small group Bible small studies group. digging in. Mm-hmm. Now it's more kind of response to the sermons, kind of a study. I mean, there's still a curriculum, but Saturday morning they're at a worship service. You know, so uh, back in the old days, was, you would have a worship service, but you were doing small group Bible studies in the home the whole time. Anyways, students will spend the night at someone's home. They'll have a couple of leaders. Some saints out there's homes, you mean. Some saint homes. That's right, yeah. Those are, those are great folks that do yeah. that. And so it's just a dynamic time for students to turn the volume down on the world and turn the volume up on the Lord. And and it's a huge outreach even because, you know, it's like tons of friends and fringe students are like, that sounds amazing, I want to come, you know. So it's almost like... Disciple now is such a cultural phenomenon in in our community that you've got students that never attend church, but they'll come to disciple now. And our hope and prayers they encounter Jesus in a 
life changing way. But um, my kids loved it. They had the their sacred crash nap on Sunday afternoon, Cheerio. and uh, just so thankful for the host homes that opened their homes and the leaders that led groups. And um, I think it was I think it was a really a really great a really great weekend. Yeah, second service, uh, Clay Knight, Clay. Knight, I did it right. Clay Knight, I thought it was Clay. Bobby, Bobby Clyde. Clay Knight did the did the sermon, but we had a great response uh, from the students. We'll talk about his sermon yeah. because I, I can't wait to ask you about it. <laughs> um, Man, after my own heart, there. But how about that eighth grader that jumped up on yeah. stage to pray? Like Cameron, Cameron Blyes, Cameron, Cameron Blyes. Yeah, I was so proud of that girl. Yeah. Like that was totally unscripted. I didn't prompt anybody. Nobody knew that was coming. And I was not moving the service on until a student popped up there and not the student that I expected, you know, sweet yeah. little eighth grade girl. Bam. Yeah. Now, if you'd asked me to come up there, I probably wouldn't have done it. I've been ducking behind somebody's head. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's really, off. really great. Really great. Uh, but anyway, Disciple Now is a life, can be a life-changing event for a student, but also for the church. Yeah, and right. um, no, and speaking right. of that, we had a great, I think a lot of them came down after the service or at the end of the service. You kind of asked for some calls for commitment or response to what God was prompting them to do. And I think, you know, one comes down, it kind of, it's a support thing. And I think yeah. that's the good thing about Disciple Now. It's like kind of a retreat of any kind. You get to know people in a different way. You get to trust them, kind of support. I, I saw a lot of that. And not to segue off of that too quickly, but you're going to have to fill me in. So I listen to Missionary Radio, which used to be called WNKJ. It's 89.3 on your FM dial. <laughs> uh, and they've been keeping me apprised of this revival. We have found your retirement, JV. <laughs> I would love it. We have found your retirement. You're going to be a radio personality. <laughs> Only if they let me. I would love to do it. Anyway, um, so there is a revival that's been going on for two-ish, three yeah, weeks, weeks in yeah, yeah, Asbury yeah. College. Is that correct? Well, it's Asbury University. University now, okay. you know, there sometimes these small schools start off as colleges and eventually changes mm. universities. And there's a seminary at Asbury as well. So okay. it's a Christian school, but it's in state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They have chapel like three times a week. It's in Wilmore, Kentucky. And in the, in the 1970s, a very famous revival broke out at Asbury. Okay. And there's, I've got a book on my bookshelf written about it, you know, really, um, yeah, you know, it's revival is a special move of God among his people, uh, bringing them to confession of sin and repentance and a basking and a renewal in his love in a way that awakens them fresh and new to levels of commitment and obedience and purification and, and all of those things. And, you know, it's 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 funny because in in the in the South in particular, uh we would, when I grew up, things, churches often held revival services. Mm-hmm. And we would call them revivals, and they would be a week long, you know. And I think the I, I think we called them revivals because we were saying we long for revival. So, Correct. you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, you know, the church would gather and have a worship service and seek the Lord and hear preaching and sing. Um longing for God's manifested presence. You know, in the Bible, what we understand is that God is omnipresent, but but God chooses in, at special times to manifest his presence in a way that um, awakens his people, in a way that arrests their attention. So omnipresent, that's a big word for it this morning. See, I get to act like you now. Uh, this is so, so funny. funny. So yeah. omnipresent, that's, okay. yeah, can, yeah. can we break that down a little bit? So it's, that is everywhere at one time. Yeah, God's everywhere. That's right. right. That's right. right. Everywhere at one time. There That's you go. Good. You know, I was saved at a revival. Oh, did wow. you know that? No, I mean, I may have known it and forgotten it, but oh, it's okay. It's check it off. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. It's uh, we used to have revivals. Yeah, you know, I've forgotten all about that. Till you just said it. Yes. Sunday day through Wednesday night. That's they right. used to cut the Thursday Friday thing off. Yeah, got, yeah. got a little long and in the way of life, and that was. That was sarcasm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and now we had a trumpet playing revivalist. Are you serious? No lie. I remember him playing the trumpet, and yeah, Wednesday night, walked down Would front. he play the trumpet and preach? He would play the trumpet during the music, and then he would preach. Oh, wow. Yeah. So anyways. I'm sorry. No, no, this is great, because I think it gives people this sense of, like, revival is not something that can be conjured up by people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the 
the chapel service at Asbury was a very, very ordinary service that day. Uh, there's, there's a script about the, the preacher of that service. As soon as he got done, like he texted his wife and like just the latest stinker, you know, like that was a dud, like his sermon, you know, I got you. And there were a few students that maybe lingered and continued to worship. And then there were a handful of students that went to class, but felt compelled by the Lord to go back to chapel and told their professors and the professors said, go, so a handful of students go back to chapel, and then and then it just kind of grows. A few more students show up, a few more students show up, and and then, you know, a couple hours later, there's a solid group of students continuing to worship the Lord small, and they and they send out an email to the whole campus that God's doing something special. And um so then hours begin to stack upon hours and you know, the the beautiful thing about what seem, seems to be going on at Asbury is that there's, you know, there was no promoted revival meetings. There there was no big, well-known speaker. There is no, <laughs> there's certainly no smoke and lights. You know, it's it's just a, a very simple, I've had some friends drive up and pop their head in and spend some time at the, you know, and they said it's a gentle, loving, simple, ordinary, sweet, you know, environment. Jonathan Edwards, who was probably one of the greatest theologians in American history, probably one of the greatest writers in American history, um, wrote a lot about revival because he was used mightily of God. He and, and many other uh, men and women and uh, used mightily of God to see to, during the Great Awakening in, in our country's history. And, um, and so Jonathan Edwards wrote extensively on revival, basically saying, what are the true marks of revival? Because basically any time you have something that seems like revival, a special manifested visitation of God, um, you have abuses, you have things that are fleshly manifestations of people and their sin, uh, trying to conjure things up or trying to react or respond or trying to gain glory and attention for themselves and all these things. And you have, you have the enemy who seeks to come in and pervert and distort what God is doing. And so, you know, but the thing that Edwards, you know, emphasizes is even though genuine revival always has these aspects of abuse and false expressions, it should not hinder us from wholeheartedly seeking God with all of our heart in seeking revival. So it's, it is really special what seems to be going on at, you know, at uh, Asbury. I wrote in the Sunday night brain dump that there's nothing wrong with like driving up to a place like this and, and kind of sticking your big toe in, so to speak. Um, but there's something probably just as much, if not more beautiful than grabbing your friend and seeking the Lord together in obscurity and quietly in the hidden place. Um, you know, we're all drawn to the big, we're all drawn to the hype, we're all drawn. But what but what stirs revival is the quiet. I saw a picture of my friend John Tyson. He posted on Instagram this morning in New York City. He's a pastor there. There's a, so like three years ago, took a picture of their prayer room in the morning and there were like four people, you know, four or five people praying. And then he took a picture of the, their prayer gathering this morning and there were hundreds, you know, and, and he was just saying, seek the Lord, you know, seek the Lord. Tyson has coined a phrase, God comes where he's wanted. And I love that, you know, and, and even this morning he was drawing a picture in talking about, um, he, he kind of drew a, a target, a, a mini circle. And in the mini circle, you've got devotion. And in the outer circle of that, you've got desire. And then in the outer circle out, out, out of that, you've got distraction. And so he was kind of, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would call Tyson a modern day Edwards, but he was, but he, but Tyson has for years been cultivating a culture of prayer in his church in New York city in seeking revival. He John Tyson has actually 
taken his family on global trips to visit the actual locations where revivals have broken out historically. Like he's done a revival tour. So like the Welsh revival back in the, gosh, I don't even know when the Welsh revival was, maybe in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Anyways, and he's visited all the, because he just hungers for revival. So he, he traveled, he traveled from New York city down to Asbury to visit things. His car broke down in the middle of the night, you know? So he's like, he posts a picture of the stars and he's like, I'm not deterred, you know, you know, like I'm head still headed to Asbury. Anyways, Jonathan, I give thanks for what God seems to be doing. I mean, I've got no skepticism to throw at it and, you know, and it's like all the, all the talking heads and all the haters and all the, you know, all the critical people come out of the woodwork to, to criticize, you know, everything that they can criticize about the, um, you know, the revival. And certainly we want to discern the spirits, but hallelujah for two weeks, a, a, a core of starting with a handful of college students, they're seeking the Lord and it just continues. So I think what's happened now, it's important to note that these extended times of seeking the Lord in the seeming manifested presence of God is springing up on other campuses all over. Lee University, Sanford University, Cedarville University. And, and uh, I, I saw a report the other day where there's like these 15 places of recorded where there seems to be a little pocket of revival springing up. And... um you know what's really fascinating to me, Jonathan, is the Sunday before, like, the Wednesday chapel at Real Life. I just kind of spontaneously asked our community group leaders to stand up, and and then I began to ask people, like, what do you, who needs healing? Would you stand? Who 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 needs a fresh touch on their marriage? Would you stand? And there's like all these little pockets of prayer going on, you know, and it was an unusual Sunday for us. It, it wasn't the normal Sunday, and I loved it, you know, and then um, and then a few days later in Asbury, boom, you know, and so, so it's like God is, has his little finger on all these little pockets. Asbury just gets, it's getting written up. It's, it's funny, I saw a, a little news article. I'm sorry to go on and on about this, no, but it's a, going. it's a pretty historic happening. Um there was a little news article or a little video article from Fox news where Fox news was going to cover it. And Asbury asked them not to come because they didn't want the public. They, they don't want the publicity. They want to protect it. They want to maintain the purity of what's going on. And I thought that was, yeah, you know, uh, beautiful. So let us seek the Lord with all of our heart while he may be found. And, um, you know, we talk often about God's manifested presence, and so what what's happening at Asbury is what we want God to do to disrupt us, to you know, to to interrupt our routine and our plans, and to visit us on His terms and on His agenda, not ours. And um, what a beautiful thing it is when He when He does that. And uh, so I don't know how long they'll be worshiping. What it seems to have happened at Asbury now, though, is is that many, 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 many people from across the country have traveled to that spot. And and I think that pastorally, what I would say about this pastorally is, is there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I think the Lord probably delights in you buying a plane ticket and using resources to go to a place to kind of pour out the perfume of your, you know, uh, at the feet of Jesus. Um, but the reality is, is you, nobody has to travel to a place like that to experience the presence of God. There's nothing wrong with it, and it can be a special little pilgrimage. Um, uh, but but the Lord is present; He is with us now. He He knows our needs before one of them is on our tongue, and He promises never to leave us, never to forsake us. And so, um, people often want the harvest um, with without planting the seed without tilling the ground. And so people want to flock to places like Asbury and enjoy the harvest of perhaps what students have been praying for and longing for. Anyway, so um, I have no criticisms. I just have, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and do it here. So if you're listening and uh, Freddie did a great job that is uh, talking about revival, talking about the historical background of revival in America and in the world. 
Um, so if you're like, that's a lot to unpack. There is a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And it's so, so beautiful how that kind of, kind of dovetails into what Clay spoke about. We're going to we'll get that next segment, we'll hit maybe one or two other things before we go there. But so if you're, you're riding in your car, driving in your car or riding in your car or sitting at your desk or sitting at home, ironing clothes, maybe um, you're like, yeah, I don't feel revival today. I hear a bunch of screaming kids and I got crappy yeah. coworkers and hate yeah. my job and I don't feel revival. And, and, and I would say to you, it's okay. It's okay. But I will say this, that God brings revival for those that so yearn it. Mm. And if you're not at the yearning stage, maybe I'm not today. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But there are steps to get there. And, and sometimes those steps uh, are, are seemingly kind of arcane-ish of, drudgery but god is so calling us all of us and that call is steadfast that call never goes away um and i think we'll hit that in a second i want to try to juxtaposition yeah. revival and yeah. god's steadfastness and his faithfulness i think it's i think it's just a beautiful thing and well, i think revival is the culmination of someone yes. that has met god's steadfastness god's consistency god's faithfulness with our desire and and then i think you get something really really special and i think we call that revival what's so interesting and and you know some of this if not all of this but first time i heard john piper preach was in college i was a college student i was with your brother wally first time either one of us heard john piper preach it was in january 1998 and in Austin, Texas. Anyways, when John Piper was probably in seminary, DJ Daniel Cox is in seminary right now, so his DJ ears just perked up. When John Piper was in seminary, he had, I believe it was when he was in seminary, he had a professor challenge him to basically adopt a theologian for life and to basically seek to master that theologian's body of work. So in other words, read everything that that single theologian has read and just learn their heart, learn their mind, learn the way they think, learn the way they write, learn what made them tick, learn their story, the works. Well, Piper chose Jonathan Edwards. And so so I was really introduced to the historical figure Jonathan Edwards through Piper's writings. I had heard of, you know, Edwards is famously known as writing the sermon centers in the hands of an angry God. But Edwards wrote, like just so much more about heaven than he did hell. And um, so anyways, it's woven through all of Piper's writings is a Edwards, Edwardsian theme. And, And Piper would credit Edwards with his, with his theology and and that's that's where that's where the whole sermon series of delighting in God came from me is because Piper's writings have had a greater impact and influence on my life than anybody else. But you know Piper's statement, "God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him." That's a very revival esque statement of let's come to the fountain of living waters. Let's. Let's drink deeply from the fountain of who God is. And that's the thing about revival is if you hunger and thirst for revival, you get performance. If you hunger and thirst for God, sometimes you may get revival. Uh, and and it's, it's what God does in us. I told you, um, going back to the Sabbath, it was it was a really very moving, spiritually moving thing for for me and Rachel, um, in the study of it, not necessarily the presentation of it. Um, it. It was so interesting how many things came in to weave into that. It was you know a book on a Jewish guy that probably didn't know Jesus, and it was a lot of messianic Jews that I read, and then you know there's you know Bible Project and all that, and then just the Word of God itself, and. Uh, and, and I will say this came from the Bayman Discipleship podcast, but, you know, the core, the core to me to this day, you said, what, what was the biggest thing? And I think, Freddie, every morning I wake up, uh, the challenges seem greater, the struggles seem harder, um, 
But I, I, I say to myself every single morning, which was the basis to me of what Shabbat, what Sabbath was about, and that's God is enough. Mm. And I think say it know, again, God is enough. And in men's group, we've talked about that a word, word enough. Pejorative just means it's a lesson of, of impact. It's become such a pejorative. You don't want enough. You want more than enough. You want more than that. And I think to me, the core of revival in my own life is that when you stop and get real, real quiet and you realize this world can spin out of control, but God's still enough, that there is a core of, I said steadfastness, I'll quit using that word. I'll use it in the next segment. There's a core of consistency, of stability. You know, uh, Psalm 118 says that the stone the builders rejected Mm became the cornerstone, the cornerstone of the foundation of the church, but the cornerstone of your own life, that it is the first place, it is the strong place, it is the refuge, it is the stronghold. It is what is always there for us and has never moved. And I think when we can just stop in the busyness, in all what we're trying to attain and be, and we can stop and realize, if we can just say, and we can stand on that God is enough. Mm-hmm. To me, that's where revival is. Yeah. It's that, you said, Tyson said, distraction, kind of move into desire, de- desire and, and devotion. You, this devotion. When you devote yourself to something, the unfortunate thing, or fortunate, is you have to exclude so many other things. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the exclusion, I'm not saying we cut <clears throat> people off, but in our exclusion of the things of this world that are so beautiful for us, if we can devote ourselves to that, to God, in just a still small space, maybe it's your closet, maybe it's in your bed, maybe whatever it is, to, that's revival. It doesn't have to be on TV. It doesn't have to be this big, impactful thing. Well, at least externally, it is just you stopping and realizing that God's enough and that he will bring you what you are searching for, which is glorifying in him, right? Satisfying yeah. yourself in him. Yeah, I say contenting. Contenting yourself, there is nothing more that will hold you completely than Jesus. Yeah. And if you can get there, man, that's the best revival you can have. That's just so my thought good. on revival. I love it, man. Who Was it Peter, James, and John that was with Jesus at the Transfiguration? Probably. I would yeah. say so, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. have to think through it. Peter, James, and John. Is that right? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, go up on a mountaintop and... You know, and they're like, let's let's build a tabernacle, let's build a yeah. house for Moses and Elijah, let's, let's stay here. And it was almost like Jesus gave these these kind of beloved and choice disciples a revival moment on the mountaintop. And Jesus said, "No, we've got to we've got to come down the mountain." And there's the these moments that God gives us that cause us to hunger and thirst for Him more but that also give us these Ebenezer moments where we look back and see the extraordinary faithfulness of God in our life that then give us an anchor in a history with God and a, in a, a, a reference point in the past that helps us to endure in the future. You talked about somebody that might be listening to the podcast that's folding clothes or listening to screaming kids, and they think, oh, how, how much I would love to be in the chapel at Asbury with no responsibilities that I could just worship for days, you know? And um, I think it's important to say that revival is special and it's a foretaste of the eternal rest that we will enter into uh, when Jesus comes again. Um, But in this world, we will have trouble. And I think one of the things that I, as a pastor, long to see God form and shape in his people is a, is a spiritual grit that translates into endurance and perseverance um, in, in a way that purges the church of consumerism and anchors us into covenant relationships so that we mature and when life gets hard and when church gets hard, we don't flee and we don't flake, but we kind of double down in our commitment to one another. That is going to be a beautiful expression. That's what I'm praying for real life, you know. Um, 
we've 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 had a little bit of a honeymoon in our church at real life you know it's like a new church and you know we don't have there's not a bunch of traditionalists at our church there's not a bunch of there's not a bunch of clicks at our church. There's not a bunch of this is the way we've always done it. You know, there's not a bunch of opinions flying around. You know, people. So, but but the longer we exist, when we move into a facility, the longer we exist. You know, all these things, the potential uh, for people to complain about things, you know, is 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 big. And um, I think God is shaping a beautiful heart in our church where we will persevere excuse me, where we'll persevere and endure and, and really mature and shine bright, you know, even as we move into these next seasons. So glory to God. It's been fun to talk about this with you, J.B. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been trying to memorize some Psalms. I've actually moved to a New Testament verse finally. Uh, but, you know, when you said what you just said a while ago about the grit, you know, when challenges come, sometimes it is easy to sit in a chapel and you have no responsibilities. I'm, I'm not saying it that it's still not genuine. It's not what God calls us to do. Yeah. But sometimes we, you may say, well, we don't have that convenience. And many of us don't. You know, I think of Psalm 1 where you said we need the grit because when things get hard, do you just do you just go away? You know, it says in Psalm 1 that, you know, the man that's planted by streams of water and mm. all that. Mm. He said the wicked are not so. Mm. They mm. are like chaff. That's mm. the, you know, the, the stuff on the top of wheat grain. They're like chaff. The stuff on what? On the wheat grain, on a wheat bud. Top of the wheat. Yeah. Yep. They're like chaff that the wind drives away or blows away. And I'm like, don't be that. Yeah. Oh, and the challenges. That's yeah. where God is just so much more special. That's when revival can occur. When Come you can on. see that how hard life can be. Yes. But how sufficient God is. Yeah. I just think it's a great place. What's well, important for us to realize how much our thinking and our attitude has been shaped by popular cancel culture. You know, and you've got to be really discerning because you'll have an Instagram post pop up with it that says, you know, all the toxic people out of my life, you, you know, and people will champion all this, champion all this, champion, you know, like, like basically, you know, nobody that's not my biggest fan gets in my inner circle. And it's like, wait a second, like we're to love our enemies. Like we're not to exclude people from our life. Like, and I understand like some people don't have the wisdom. They keep going back to an abusive relationship. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. But I'm just talking about like cancel culture is so pervasive that if people aren't careful, um, they'll carry that into the way they interact with the church. And no, the the church were to like have long suffering, were to to bear with one another, were to forgive one another, were to endure, you know. And um, that really is beautiful maturity. And um, yeah, just so thankful, you know, for what God's doing. It's it's uh, I <clears throat> I don't know if you and I talked about this, but in on the Grammys, there was a there was an artist, I think his name was Sam Smith. I can't, I can't remember. DJ's giving me a nod over there, but he, ba- they basically did like this, you know, this, uh, like dressed up like Satan, and had like, like a, like a, a faux or real, like little like, sa- satanic seance, in like this song, so you had like a. I don't even want you to Google it. It looked so evil and wicked. Um, and I'm just thankful. I, I, I see such a powerful and beautiful picture in our country right now of you had five minutes on the Grammys where you had this overt satanic demonic worship going on on television for all eyes to see and celebrate. And now you have two weeks of no hype worship with a gentle spirit where people all across the nation are flocking to it. And yet there's not even a Fox News is not there to report it because they're asked not to come. You know? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that God has chosen in this moment to flex a little bit, to, to show us uh, his strength amidst his gentleness. Um, because it's easy to get discouraged when things are so dark around us. The the last thing I would just say, Jonathan, too, is, you know, wherever our listeners find themselves today, you know, you talk about revival and then people think, well, where am I and where's my life? You know, just, I just want to encourage you not to forget that, that in his word, God says it's a broken heart in a contrite spirit that he will not despise. And so the, the Bible says he, he, um, 
the God the God saves those who are crushed in spirit. He 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 draws near to those, and you know. So if you find yourself at a place where you feel like, gosh, my devotion for the Lord is not what I want it to be, in the circumstances of my life are not what it, what I want them to be, and in fill in the blank, um, rejoice because the Lord loves just a broken heart. You know, so be willing to be broken in the presence of God today and know that the Lord rushes into that. He rushes into that. My last Psalm and I'll be done. Uh, we're going to go to Clay's uh, sermon. Uh, but as you were talking about Sam Smith thing on the Grammys, which I did not see, uh, you know, Psalm 16 says the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Say it again. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Uh, There's another psalm that says, blessed is he whose hope is in the Lord is God. And so that's our hope. And that's what I think Clay was talking about on Sunday. Yeah. The hope of Jesus uh, sitting in the middle of Genesis 28. So uh, I hope, uh, Fred, really appreciate that. That was great. That was impromptu. Uh, And... uh, that was just really great to hear this morning. I just yes. want you to know that. So, second segment, we've got uh, Clay Knight's uh, sermon. We're going to talk about Genesis 28. Hey, let me let me yep. pause and pray right now. Yeah, let's do it. And then when I get done, we'll go to a commercial and we'll come back. Yeah, Father, we thank you for what you're doing at Asbury and around the country and in a hundred unseen, unknown places. And, Father, we need a touch from you. Our listeners, right where they are today, they need a touch from you. So, Father, smile upon us with your gentle love and be pleased to manifest your presence in our closet, at home, in the hidden place, and in our gathering on Sundays for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to know more about you at Real Life. We want to hear your story at Real Life. We want to discover what makes you passionate at Real Life. We want to do that at The Path. The Path is a two-week experience for you to sink your teeth into our DNA, for you to get connected and dig a little deeper at Real Life. And it's our opportunity to learn more about you. Sign up for The Path today by texting Mission to 97000. That's mission to 97,000. Sign up today. And we are back. JV, we had a great Sunday. Our new student minister, Clay Knight, preached. Um, He got married two weeks ago, right? So it was so funny because he did a great job getting us ready for D-Now, but it's like, how chaotic can it be? Like you're, you're brand new in a new state, in a new city, with a new wife, with a new job. You know, it's like... Which way's north, right? Who can figure that out? Nobody can figure that out. And so Timmy's walking with Clay and, you know, making sure, you know, he doesn't lose his mind. And, you know, I don't know if it was like Tuesday. It was Tuesday, the week that he got back. And we're talking about Sunday. And he's like almost speechless in the office, you know, when we're talking about you can preach Sunday. And, um, and I, like, he would have. If I had said, "Hey, just let just let Timmy or me preach," he would have been like, "Thank you, thank you." But I would, there's no way I was going to let it. We we'd been talking about him preaching for a couple of months. Disciple now weekend, so um, so I was I was like, "Okay, tomorrow, you don't do anything but prep." Okay, so you just prep. Timmy met with him in the morning, gave him some guidance, and he just prepped all day Wednesday. And uh, and I was like, "I'm I'm not I'm not going to let him get out of this." You know, he's he's got to preach. And um, even though I, I was a little nervous, you know, because I had heard, I, had, I had seen messages of Clay preach, I don't think he would say it's his, it's his gift, but holy cow, what a great job he did. Man after my own heart. So uh, I, I jumped in there. So, yeah. So when Clay hit Genesis, I saw Pat Pierce, Patrick Pierce, uh, out in the lobby vestibule, whatever it's called, right before I said, well, how was service? And he said, oh, it was great. I said, it seems like we're getting out. Did he go long-winded today? He said, oh, no, that young man did great. I was like, well, Fred ain't that young. I mean, he's kind of old kind of guy. And then I didn't realize till I got inside that that Clay uh, Clay was preaching. And uh, so, you know, we you said, you, I bet you'd love that one, didn't you, John? Yes. This morning. And uh, you heard one of my three sermons I think I've done. 
I do more background before I can actually get to the message of the vocal passages. And did it did it blow your mind that our like, that our twenty three year old student minister took a deep dive into the Genesis narrative, talking about the covenant? Like, w- what was rising up for you as as you were listening to him at twenty share? at twenty three? I wish I'd had that depth of of the book, and uh, I just was really impressed. Not just with his presentation, but because uh, that's just that's just part of it. But the understanding, the easy flow, it wasn't he, it wasn't something artificial. He didn't go get it from, hopefully he didn't get it from another sermon. I'm sure he didn't. Right. No. But his, yeah. his knowledge of not just Genesis, but his knowledge of the true meta narrative, the full story of God's word from beginning to end, and how the covenant, uh, which we won't really get into that hard this morning, how the covenant really just runs through it and how Clay really had a great really a mature handle on that and picking and it wasn't an obscure passage i mean jacob's ladder is is known i've but, never preached it in my life but i have to say it's not something you probably run to yeah uh and so anyway i just thoroughly enjoyed when he started started with genesis 28 and pat said oh and you're gonna love it because he's in genesis that's like fred's in genesis he should be in ephesians uh and so uh yeah no it stirred my heart to see him in genesis what it, conversations like while he was preaching were you, did you talk to Rachel at all? Like, did you did you have no? Comments? She was she was. We have kids in between us, but no, she was taking some notes. Uh, I looked at her notes. It was it was good stuff. We had we came away with one of the biggest takeaways, and I'll just hit that one first. Was that God's faithfulness does not depend on our faithfulness, and that was the steadfastness I was talking about earlier. Yeah, is that the covenant is not dependent on us? God's meta narrative, His story. His sacrifice, his love does not depend on us. Whether we are devoted or desiring him, it does not depend on us. Wow. That he is God and he is steadfast. And it was just a very, very small picture talking about Jacob. I I do realize, Fred, that, um, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, uh, Timmy's used his term, people the book, people the book. You said it on Sunday second service that if you did not have a good handle on this, man, there's a, there's a good place to start. Uh, you pointed me to a book um, by Vaughn Roberts named God's Big Picture. I just think it's a really good, short, easy book. Vaughn Roberts, God's Big Picture. Um, I read it uh, in preparation for year before last in a teaching series, but it is really, really important that not only are we reading God's Word every day, I mean, I just think that's really important that we're digging into it, memorizing it. But I think, I think we just really need to understand the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. And this was a beautiful sermon. But that's so intimidating because it's such a big book. That's right. So many diverse uh, literary genres that it's written written in. Absolutely. So little when you find little resources that help you get a handle of the overarching theme of the big picture, they're like gold. Oh, and that's what you're saying is that Von Roberts, Roberts book. Oh God. It, it gives you a picture. good roadmap. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's so easy to miss the forest for the trees when you're reading the Bible, right? right. To know where does this fit in this giant book and story? And, um, well, you've been in Ephesians. Tim hit Malachi two weeks ago. We're sitting in Genesis 28. How in the world do all those come together? And it is just right. so easy sometimes once you get, you know, the 60,000 feet above the earth kind of view of this, it's so easy to see what God has been doing and what God will be doing, but what God is doing today. All right, your favorite thing from the message. That was one of my favorite things of the message by far. I guess the other big thing was, uh, I don't know that he said it, uh, I think he did. <laughs> Your favorite thing was the thing he didn't well, say. Well, no, but the there thing, you go, Clay. I think that's what he said. But Bobby! <laughs> Bobby Clyde. Uh, you know, if you go to Genesis 12 and 15, that's where the, the promise yeah. to Abraham was that's given. Right. That's right. And then he moves that through his son, Isaac. Yeah. And then Isaac and Rebekah yeah. as Jacob and Esau. Yeah. yeah. And we find ourselves in the, the story of Jacob and Esau fighting and Jacob stealing the birthright and then getting scared and sends them off to Padanaram to find a, a, a Israelite woman, a Canaanite woman, to marry. And uh, as Nella told me, went to Laban. I said, well, well, you know who Laban is? I said, yeah, I know who Laban is, Nella. And I, she said, well, you know, that's Rebecca's brother. Did you know that? 
Laban's Rebecca's brother. At least mm. that's what Nella said. So I'm going to trust mm. the nine-year-old. Mm. She mm. she had to bring the Bible out when we got home that I afternoon. Love and, I, and love I love it. I love it. But anyway, along the way, and if you know the story of Jacob, he is a deceiver. Um, probably not focused and centered on God and his word totally. And I think it's a beautiful moment where God stops on his way and makes not just the covenant promise to the family, to the legacy, but God comes to Jacob mm. individually and says, mm. you are my chosen. This covenant is yours individually, and I want you to carry it. It's not what your daddy's done. It's not what your mom has done. It's not what your brother could have done. It's not what grandfather did. It's not what... It's not what you're going to do. It, this is you. This is something that I'm laying on you. Mm. I'm laying this this burden, if you want to, but this mm. is the whole yoke behind us. Mm-hmm. But you're not alone. I'm going to be with you. And we're going to walk through this. And, and eventually he wrestles with God and he changes his name to Israel. Or Israel. Mm. So if you don't have a command of that, that's okay. But there's a good place to start. Uh, get a book like God's Big Picture by Von Roberts. Go dig in Genesis. Just read Genesis. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. And get a good understanding. Uh, I, when I first started reteaching um, back a long time ago, First Baptist, uh, what's his name? Your boy uh, got me to go teach again oh, oh brent morris brent Moore. Yeah, yeah, brent. Yeah. and uh he said do anything you want to and i found a little book it was uh genesis excuse me it, yeah it was genesis in the new testament in essence they would take a genesis and then they would show a new testament uh kind of story with that my first introduction to the meta narrative it's so, so anyway that was my takeaway uh, if you didn't hear it it's worth a listen um I just think it was a really, really, really fantastic microcosm of God's meta narrative of how much he loves us. His love for us is so great that not only did he give his only son, just John 3, yep. not only did he give his only son, but he is still waiting and chasing us today. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> You've got two kids. Yes. One, your oldest is in Twelve. what grade? Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Uh, so he is technically a student. Yes. In the... In, Student ministry. What, uh, how did it make you feel as a dad hearing that message from our new student? Oh, ministry? yeah. Yeah. It's very, 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 very solid. Very, very solid that we have someone like Clay who has a real true understanding of God's truths and promises. We don't say his Bible. God's truths and promises to know who God is and who we're not and who we can become through that steadfastness that love the love of God yeah. gives us. Yeah. That when we send our kids to students or we go for counseling with Clay, that he's going to have a great biblical foundation and principles of how we can maneuver through this wonderful thing called life. Here's what I, here's a few of the things I was struck by. One of the first things was uh, Clay. Well, let me speak about this. Clay, the clarity that he communicated with was amazing he preached from a manuscript which helps with that clarity mm-hmm. it's not my style mm-hmm. i'm much more spontaneous when i mm-hmm. preach but that's risky because you'll often say things that you'll regret when you preach from a manuscript if you stick to the manuscript you're not going to say anything that you regret what was beautiful is he didn't read it he was he was familiar enough with his manuscript that he communicated it um he didn't say, um, he didn't, he didn't say like, he didn't say right one time or, and, uh, yeah, I, that's what I was saying. I, I didn't want to break the scripture or the summer down like that, but yes, I was like, that I was, was very a, impressed. That was amazing to me. And I think for young preachers, preaching from a manuscript is a really, really great practice. An early preacher to hone that gift, to hone that craft, you may move on to a more spontaneous style, but it's it's better when you're young in the craft to go from a manuscript so that you can ensure that you have a message, you have something to say. So so the clarity in the in the in the flow in the presentation was as good as the content of the message. And one of the other things that I was that I was struck by, one of the things that I was struck by was it felt like a sweet moment. The reason I asked you the question as a dad is it felt like a sweet moment in that this was our this was 
kind of the the introduction to our families in our church about who's our student minister. What kind of minister is he? And wow, he's a minister of of the book. That's right. And I think, you know, my guess is that most people were probably anticipating a high energy, story filled, yep. funny, entertaining message. And what I loved is is that Clay made no apology for the lack of entertainment in his message. And he seemingly felt no pressure to, to communicate in that way. So I loved that. What I loved even more was I had the privilege of standing in the back and watching our congregation. And um, there, because he was working from a manuscript, because he was tired... In just the way he chose to communicate, there there weren't like huge spikes of energy and emotion in his message. So, when when a communicator communicates in that way, sometimes people just they just check out, they just gloss over. And what I was struck by was from the front row to the back row, our congregation was dialed in, and for that I was so thankful. I was so fired up to see them literally like just lingering on everything that he was saying, hungering to hear and understand. And um, so I, it was just a great Sunday, really proud of Clay, really thankful, you know, that he's here, he and Millie are here and uh, pray for them, encourage them, take them out to eat, offer advice, be patient with our new student minister. And um, expect lots of rookie mistakes, and let's love them well, and um, and let's be a good church. For Clay, Clay did a good couple. job. Uh, that's on the personal nature, but Clay brought the word on Sunday. So if your heart was moved that you didn't know that, read the God's word. Get get God's big picture, Von Roberts. Um, hey, how cool? Sorry, go ahead. No, no, that was it. Well, how cool was the video from the the uh, the recap of Serve Sunday out at Fort Campbell? That's good. Let's let's hit it briefly on the last segment, okay. and then we'll talk about the new building. Sounds and, great. And then we'll we'll be right back. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, but man, don't we have a lot of excuses for why we don't honor the Lord with our money? You know, ministry takes money, and when you give, God's work is propelled forward. I want to ask you to pray today. Pray and ask God to strengthen your faith, to deepen your resolve, to invest in His work, in His ministry. Worship the Lord today through your giving. Make a sacrifice. Set up recurring giving so that even when you can't be present at church, your gift is present. Simply text MISSION to 97000 to set up giving today. Don't hold back. Don't wait give to the Lord. All right, we're here on the last segment. Uh, Eric Malloy from Boston, from Washington State, um, and his team have been working very diligently, along with your team, uh, with Real Life Sango, to get this church up and started. That's real life Fort Campbell. And they had a service this week, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, so last Saturday, they had Serve Day, where we sent out, you know, 30-plus people out to really Fort Campbell, and they served to paint and clean and demo and all the things. And Eric was saying they have their, you know, must-get-done, would be great to get done. It would be a dream to get done. He's like, man, they just got it all done. And still work to be done out there, but... um, it's just a great story. This church was dying. They voted to give Real Life Fort Campbell their building. Um, Eric was a part of our church. God has accelerated their timeline. God gave him favor with his community group. His whole community group is helping him plant Real Life Fort Campbell. They're just in the beginning stages. They <clears throat> they haven't had like an official launch day, but they're but they're gathering for worship as Real Life Fort Campbell. So they'll have like a big launch day coming up at either at Easter or in August. I don't know exactly what which their plan is. They've kind of gone back and forth. Um, but it's it's just been awesome to see so many of our people go out there and and, and help. 
And it's just it's just glory to God. So, so they had, like the week before last, they had 64 people. This past Sunday, they had 58. And what I love about this is, like, this past Sunday at Real Life, there were 777 people in the house. Babies all the way to senior adults, everybody worshiping the Lord. Um, that was a massive crowd for us. Um, meanwhile, at Real Life for Camel, you got 58, 58 people. So, you know, when, when you send people out of your congregation, it's a little unnerving, you know. And when you send solid, great people out of your congregation, it's kind of like, okay, Lord, you got to replenish this, you know. And he's done it immediately, seemingly. Um, so you can't outgive God in that way. Glory to God. Speaking of giving to God in a church building, uh, maybe just a real quick recap or whatever okay, it is about so our new building. Okay, so here's what's amazing. Because of the, genera- the, the generosity of God's people, we have land that's paid off. Yep. We've got we've got plans to break ground, Lord willing, this year. Um, right now, we have a, like a million dollars in our building fund. Great. Now, if we pay the architect this week, we'll have like $900,000, you know. <laughs> but... Um, but church, just sit with that for a minute and rejoice that God has provided through the generosity of his people uh, that we that this is where we are. A little over four years in, we've got a million dollars in the bank looking toward a vision, a ministry vision that includes a facility. Um, I'm super excited because next month, next month, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin to kick off a sermon series that begins to unpack the ministry vision that includes our facility. Um, so I just want our listeners to begin to pray about that right now. Um, really, I want to ask them to pray that God moves on the heart of every single real lifer to engage with this ministry vision that we're going to bring to the church. The commitment here. The call for commitment is we want everybody to participate. Everybody to participate. In whatever every amount. real lifer, yeah. every real lifer to engage in this process. Yeah, this is not for those that have been here for over a year or for those that started or for those that are in a team. This is if you are if you are engaged with real life, we want you engaged with this. Yeah, life this facility. is life is too short for people to sit in uncertainty with no commitment to God's work. Um, life is just too short. And so what an opportunity that we have to, to lock our arms together, to unite our hearts together, to open our hands together, and to see God do something special here, now, that impacts generations to come. Um, so so this is unique. This is super special you can't find this kind of opportunity in every church environment. But I really believe, Jonathan, together as a church, we're standing in a little bit of a historic moment. And so I just want to invite people. You may not even understand what all that means, um, but you've got a role to play. And we just I just want you to open your heart, lean in with us in the, in the months to come, because God's about to do something special in uniting us together for a big ministry vision that's ahead of us, but it's, but it's going to take all of us. Yep. Yeah. So look forward to that. We're finished up Ephesians in the meantime. Fred, we're glad you're back. Uh, glad uh, to be back pray on the for podcast me. this morning. It's in my head. I don't know if you can hear it, but ugh. no, you're clear today. So Thanks, anyway, man. appreciate everything. Enjoy the podcast today. I hope podcast listener, you enjoyed it. Go listen to Clay's sermon. I think it'll, it'll do you good if you haven't heard it. But in the meantime, Fred, Hey, hey, before oh, you do this, oh, before you I do this, set that up. Those, I know oh you did. Gosh, you those did that it. made it all the way to the end of the podcast. <laughs> you're our favorites, even though the book of James says you don't have favorites. You're our favorites. Um, we want to invite you. We've done this before, but we want to do it again. We oh. want to invite you to send in any question. You can send in any question about real life. You can send in any question about Jonathan. Okay, wait, wait. You can send in any I, question about the Bible. I know we're running long today, but you you, you did this to right me two time. weeks ago. What you you said text. I had few people text. Thank did you? you? I did, four or five. Uh, but one of them was right off the box. I didn't have her in my phone. She you goes, can give them my number. I'm about to change my number. <laughs> she uh, She's in, no, I'm not. She's in Rachel's uh, community group on okay. Tuesday mornings. Okay. And she just texted, said, blah, blah, blah. And then she said, it would really be great if y'all had like a, 
mailbox. I sent mailbag. you a text. Mailbag. Yeah. Yep. That if you have questions, a Q and R, question and response, maybe not question and answer. So do that. Send it to info at. Info at. You know, let's change it. Send it to Daniel Cox. Daniel at DJ Daniel Cox. Daniel he, at real life. He Thingo. wants com. your questions. Um, and, well, what's uh, the email? Oh, what's the email? It's, Daniel. It's Daniel at. RealLifeSingo.com. At RealLifeSingo. Seriously, do it. And so we yeah, will... If you've got a question about real life, a question about the Bible... Anything. A question about Jonathan... Or Fred. And, and or, his or, lounge and his cooking... You're going you to make me say it. Or your party your, boots he's got on this morning. Oh, so. uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, uh, Real Life, we love you. And uh, just remember, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.